0: thanks for listening to this word in your ear podcast if you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad free priority booking for our live events and to take part in our weekly quiz go to patreon.com/word
1: in your ear for more details hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank we are listening to a podcast from the Word.
0: Every week, you say to me, I- "I'm not sure we can think of another Stack waddy game,"
2: and then we always do, don't we? And I like, have too. Yeah. Okay, do you want to go first? It's the gift that keeps on. Giving. Well, I could do. I mean, it is, it is. It does keep on giving, doesn't it? Okay. Try this one. Okay. Bands on the John Peel show. In the 1980s. Because oh, I thought I could remember. It's funny, I was I was just remembering ones that I thought existed, but I couldn't find any, any trace of them on Google. Do you remember they, they always had names like Careful Quentin, there's a dog behind you. Oh, yeah. They, and yeah, the they're, entire they're, crew uh, of the HMS Ark Royal. I mean, I thought those existed, but I, I can find no proof of this. But anyway, what I thought I'd do is, is, is to, to make absolutely sure they did exist, was concentrate on five John Peel show bands who actually had sessions okay. in the 80s, right? So here's five bands, all had sessions on The Peel Show. So pretty established, and one of them is fictitious. And they are, in no particular order, 14 Iced Bears. (laughs) Bong Water. Oh, they're real. Go on. Death by Cupcake. (laughs) Trixie's Big Red Motorbike. And Tools You Can Trust. Uh, 14 iced bears, bong water, death by cupcake, <laughs> Trixie's big red motorbike. I've <laughs> uh, no, Well, bong, bong water surely, surely existed. They did. You're right. Uh, the Select magazine used to write about them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic name. Was um, that, there, was another, there was another band who was on the, on the Peel Show did a session called Blubber. She's also a great <laughs> Peel Show now, Like Bogshare, isn't it? Blubber. Two more from bullshit. Blubber. For that. Go on, <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: go on. Well, so, both was right, yeah. Oh God, I'm going to guess
2: death by cupcake. Oh, well done, yet yeah, <laughs> you made it up. I made it up. <laughs> I made it up. Fantastic. The no, tools can think- trust are sort of vaguely well known. Trex is, see, Tricky's been right. right. You see, this that. is where you went wrong. You see, if you, you death by cupcake
0: is. um would never be invented as a name by a band who played Appeal Peel session because it's
2: just slightly too cheerful. It's too, oh, maybe it is. You know, cupcake, cupcakes. No, you're right. That's me. very well <laughs> put. It's a <laughs> little bit optimistic, isn't it? It's yeah, a bit- just a bit. <laughs> It's a bit cheery. It's winking at If
0: if we're going to go, we're going to go with a load of cupcakes, you know. And They wouldn't be like that. No, well, very very well spotted. I deserve to lose. All bands who played sessions on the Peel Show were glass half-empty bands, weren't they? That's that's how it worked. Yeah, they were, that's right.
2: Glass half-empty names. But a lot of them, I think, probably... The, the extent of their ambition probably was to play a session on the Peel Show. Absolutely. I I think if they'd been offered a major contract by Warner Brothers Records, they would have run a mile and thought oh, <laughs> it was too scary.
0: <laughs> okay, well that's a good category. Here's my category boy bands.
2: Okay. Oh right, okay. Boy okay. bands.
0: Okay. Okay, five here. One of them's one of them's made up. Yeah. Here we go. Awesome. Yeah. Bad Boys Inc let loose breaking crew and northern line awesome bad boys inc let loose
2: breaking crew and northern line those are good aren't they those good? Are really good <laughs> bad boys inc is is so good that i, I no disrespect to you that i think it must be real <laughs> northern line because there was e17 wasn't there so I think Northern Line, or oh, that rings a bell, or was there a mod group called Northern Line? So I'm going to suggest that they're real too. So we're down to, is it Breaking Crew? Breaking yeah. Crew also sounds authentic. I'm not quite sure why, but I think it's between Awesome and Let Loose, is the, is the ringer. And I'm going to go for well, Let Loose, has got a nice kind of symmetry to it, and it's, uh, it sounds considered. I, Dave, I think it's Awesome. Well, you're wrong. I Is win. That, I win. you win? Okay. Because go on. the the one I made up was
0: Breaking Crew. Oh, Breaking Crew! very good. Awesome. Were formed in Britain in, in 1995. Bad Boys Inc. 1993. Let Loose. 1995. Northern Line. 1999. Breaking Crew still do not exist to this
2: day. Fantastic. Oh, that's good, isn't Respect. it? Respect. That's really good. <laughs> Absolutely. You
1: win. The word podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week.
0: If you're watching this and not just listening to it, uh, that probably means you're one of our uh, supporters on Patreon, in which case, congratulations to you, because uh, that's the only way that you can make sure that you keep abreast of absolutely everything coming from our burgeoning empire, word in your ear, word in your attic, various crowdcasts with... uh, Well known authors in which you can participate, and also the opportunity to make your next birthday such a birthday that you will never forget. I think that's fair to say, Mark. Have we got anybody who's joined our legions of patrons? We have a few new
2: patrons, actually. So many thanks to Paul Cummings, uh, Jim Walker, Guitar PK, Ray Roscoe, and Christopher Beale. God bless you. God bless. Welcome aboard. All, a welcome all aboard
0: indeed. And if you'd like to join them, if you just go to patreon.com, word in your ear, because that's the only way to make sure that you catch everything that we do and get it early and also get it where applicable in full glowing colour such as you see before you at the moment.
2: Okay, what, <laughs> what are we going to talk about at this stage? Well, I the, think we should talk about the... We, we, we mentioned to each other the other day that, that the fact that Rolling Stone have uh, published a new version of their best 500 albums of all time, which they did, they did one in, in 2012. They did one in 2003. They must have mm-hmm. done it before that, actually. 2000, 2003, I, I, there have been some changes since then. You know, the Allman Brothers, Little Richard, the Doors, people like that were in the top 50, all been booted out now, replaced <laughs> by, you know, Lauren Hill and Kanye West and Outkast, Tribe Called Quest, et cetera. But, I mean, the principle of it is that they get 300 artists, don't they? Producers, critics, music industry figures, to cast their votes, these people whose uh, you know opinions they they uh, admire and respect, and then they they uh, you know publish the the tally. But are there any criteria that were different in this time? Do you get the impression they've done anything differently? Any new rules or anything?
0: I I get the feeling it's a it's a very kind of odd shotgun marriage between uh, between what what used to be called the the canon, I suppose, the kind of the standard list of greatest albums. And and hip hop, there's kind of two things appear to be meeting in this uh, in this particular uh, listing, uh, and and one of the things that struck me is just it's just how many kind of genres are missing totally you know, here. They the, 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 they become kind of casualties of this attempt to crowbar loads of kind of recent names into an old into an old canon, you know. And it really struck me that this uh, kind of whole way of trying to list the greatest albums ever made is past its sell-by date, really. And I think what's interested me is is to go back and think about when this wasn't a thing. Because you and I are kind of old enough to remember when magazines and newspapers, well, when there were magazines and newspapers, uh, and they could get through a year without getting giving you a list of the two hundred greatest albums you must hear before you die, or whatever you know, whatever imperative they come up with. But I was trying to remember when was the when was the first time that I was actually asked to contribute to such a thing.
2: And the nearest well, time, I think. Oh, go on. I, I mean, I th- I think that they were. The, I think the enemy did it in the seventies. I think you, it did it in the late seventies. Indeed. Oh, okay. Well, I think they do. I may be completely wrong. And admittedly, it was different then because, you know, the, broadly you had kind of, is Marvin Gaye better than, I don't know, Roxy Music or Springsteen or the Simon and Garfunkel or it's country and it's blues. And and broadly, they're in the same idiom, aren't they? They're, they're, they're types of music that have a kind of a, a rhythm section and, you know, there are guitars. And as you say, the difficulty now is, is, is it possible to compare, uh, you know, rap music, it's impossible to play a public enemy with uh, with Abbey Road. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't know what criteria you bring in. That's but, extraordinary.
0: Because the nearest <laughs> one, the, the first one I could come up with, and I've actually got a copy here in front of me, is, is uh, Paul Gambaccini. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. The Top 100 Albums, which was, for the benefit of anybody who can't see this, it was done in a large format kind of Guinness book, or, or you may remember those... Um, those books are the album cover albums do you remember those things that were yeah. shaped shape 12 inch like an album and uh coffee table and there's coffee table book. yeah there you go and this was done in the mid 80s and paul asked loads of people to contribute you know and you you and I, in I, there. We're, yeah, yeah that's we're, right we're in there and you know and uh, i'm looking at who else we got here alan jones we've got kid jensen we got andy kershaw We've got, uh, there's people from over the seas, you know, Rolling Stones, James Henke, um, uh, MTV DJs, Charlie Gillett's here, uh, Simon Frith, and so forth. And uh, do you want to know what the overall winner was? Can you remember? Have you still got your copy of this?
2: I haven't. No, I did have a copy. OK, the overall winner, this is not, what, 1989? It's going to be, it must be a Beatles record. It must it's be. It's
0: 1987, one. I think, this book came out. But it, was, it probably it was wasn't the a couple of years,
2: but it done a couple of years before then. It probably
0: it was, wasn't the Beatles. It was, the Beatles. The, Beatles. It oh, was okay, the Beatles. OK, OK, OK. It was Sgt Pepper's Lady of Club. And the second, number two, was Born to Run. <laughs> number three was uh, Blonde on Blonde. Uh, number four was What's Going On. Uh number five, Bruce Springsteen got another one, Born in the USA. Elvis Presley, The Sun Sessions, which is not really an album, really. It's kind of put together afterwards. Uh, Velvet Underground and Nico, Pet Sounds, Astral Weeks, and and the Beatles White album, and so forth. And I, you know, I was looking at this yesterday and thinking, you know, I wonder, oh God, there's Nick there's Nick Logan's here. Big 16 by the impressions um so i'm looking at my these are my 10 favorite records okay in in 1985
2: you know i already i can already guess what your favorite is but go go on
0: yeah well no i i i i said number one it's kind of well it's, it's only as ridiculous as any other suggestion i said i went i want to see the bright lights tonight by richard linda thompson which is a great choice which is a great record. And um, it it just—I can remember how excited I was when I was asked to contribute to that kind of thing. You know that I I, I probably sat there and agonised about it hours at night, burning the midnight oil. I've got to impress my fellow critics, and also secondary anybody who happens to read this. Nobody ever thinks about whoever happens to read this. You know, whenever a load of critics and kind of industry figures get together to, you know, come up with a supposedly definitive list of the greatest singles or the greatest lps of all time their their, their primary motivation is to impress each other they're Thank really you. not bothered about anybody.
2: completely it's, it's coming up with a cooler cooler more original choice
0: yeah and also not strained too far off piste really you know they, they 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 want to be seen that they've they want the other critics to go Do you know they've taken it as seriously as i did but they've thought of something that I didn't think of it's just that's a, a, bit, a little, bit <laughs> little bit cooler yeah absolutely little bit cleverer you know and because now I've read now I've uh, you know every other week you get asked to somebody gives you can you give me your 10 favorite records or whatever yeah I could I can invent a totally different
2: top 10 absolutely all it the really time I know, it, I know. You know well looking it, at that it, I remember in that book one of my favorite records that was in the studio by the specials which is insane. I mean, I must have just put that in because... It had just come out. out. No, no it had been... And out. I thought, yeah. I thought it'd be, no, it'd been out a while. Actually. It'd been out a long while. Actually. But yeah. I obviously thought it was a masterpiece. I mean, it is a great record, but it clearly doesn't deserve to be in there. But I just felt very strongly about it. It's just personal choice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... It's, I- I was I was looking at
0: the at the, uh, the Rolling Stone list and uh, and I did some analysis. I've got a producer's piece of paper, okay, on, go on, Very on good. which I've done done analysis. And um, so the top fifty. Can I whiz through the top fifty? Yeah, go on. And you you can make you can make kind of um, you know strange noises when when anything included, which you think, uh uh-huh. oh, how weird. You know, if this was a highly polished Radio 4 program, we'd have a sound effect, klaxon, that you could... Yeah. <laughs> OK, number one, what's going on, Marvin Gaye? We'll talk about that in a moment. Well, number I was going to say, that, that needs discussing. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah,
2: Well, shall we discuss it now? It well, I... Marvin Gaye's What's Going On? I, I, was a it's it, it, about a, a, a Vietnam War vet returning to the homeland? Well, I don't think it is. Right? I don't think it is.
0: I think they've yeah. completely superimposed that on it. I tell you what's interesting about what's going on. Came out in 1971, and um, here's the story of what's going on. Was never supposed to be an LP. They he made a one-off single, which Barry Gordy didn't want to put out on Motown but they did put it out and he didn't write it and it was a really unexpected big hit single at which point Barry Gordy said give me a bloody album you know Barry Gordy previously never been bothered about albums at all I've got to put it out an LP called that you know so they did the rest of it they put it out it was it was a hit in America it came out in this country to no notice whatsoever. Absolutely no, nobody took any to notice. And you go back and look at the original reviews of what's going on. And it was reviewed in, um, in Rolling Stone by Vince Alletti. And Vince Alletti was the guy who always did the R&B records. You know, he was named by Dave Marsh as the Rolling Stone's greatest critic of that time. You know, he always did. He did the records nobody else wanted to do, frankly. In 1971, you know, they all wanted to review James Taylor or Bob Dylan. Nobody wanted to do Marvin Gaye at all. And uh, he reviewed Marvin Gaye alongside the Stevie Wonder record at the same time, which is where I'm coming from. And he, he gave them both, well, kind of fairly non-committal reviews. You know, he, he, he said that he said the great truth about what's going on is that loads of the lyrics are, are terrible. you know and um, but he said it's got some good it's got a couple of good songs which is the great truth about what's going on it is an absolutely prime example of the hammock lp which is a really good track at the beginning and a really good track in the at the end and it sags like hell in the middle (laughs) and that doesn't (laughs) matter because you think i'm going to get to the you know so it starts with what's going on it ends with in the City Blues and gets away with all kinds of waffle in between, you know. But but basically, you can post. Marvin Gaye's death is when it got got venerated, you know. So now now it's a you know it's a, a it's a dead artist, a dead genius, and it's recast as it's a story about returning Vietnam. Uh, but I don't think anybody took that
2: took that on at the time. At the I mean, time, no. But don't but don't you think, that, I mean, the fact that it's connected with real issues and political issues in the real world and it's not just a piece of, I mean, you, at this particular moment in 2020, to have made, I don't know, Pet Sounds, which is number two, I said, Pet Sounds the number one, wouldn't have chimed with the times at all. It just no, I suppose right. so. I, so suppose I think so. there's an element of it just feeling relevant. I, I yeah. Would,
0: I also have I've found that, sorry, I, I got out my reference books when we were talking about this. Yeah, go yeah. And I've got here, Robert Crisco's Guide to Rock Albums of the 70s. So Robert Crisco, um, I think still right. I don't know if he still right. It's in The Village Voice. But for years, he used to be the man who used to write The Consumer Guide to Albums, you know. And this book came out in the early 80s. So this I just thought it was interesting because this is how the 70s Looked in the early '80s, you know, and he talks about uh, about what's going on, and he gives it a B plus, okay, in his roundup of albums of the '70s, and he says, you know, um, it's it's all it's very shapeless, a lot of the lyrical ideas are terrible, and he said worst of all, uh, David Van Der Pit strings the lowest kind of lowest kind of movie background dreck. Original grade B. It's it's graded B to B plus, you know. So so that was how it seemed at the beginning of the eighties, you know. Whereas all these things prove is is what the what they say more about the time we're in than about the time
2: it's passed, don't they?
0: They like, like I think saying. they do.
2: I think that's a really interesting point because most of the records that that are in this were considered to be great at the time, weren't they? You know, well, the ascent of Nick Drake's a good example. Nick Drake was loved at the time, but loved by very few people. Very few people. Subsequently, been discovered by loads of other people who love it just as much. We well, see it's timeless. And you see that—that that is
0: the—that um, is the point, isn't it? That that things are more popular nowadays, long after they're popular, <laughs> than they yeah. are at the time that they're popular because it's just something that happens with the nature of the audience. So, anyway, what's going on they have as number one? Pet Sounds, number two. Uh, Joni yeah, Metron-
2: pet Sorry, Pet Sounds, number two. <laughs> no, Honestly, Dave, there are a million... I mean, it's a fantastic record. But, I mean, the, the fact there's no Beatles record higher
0: than that seems absolutely... Well, uh, OK. OK, but they've done that... I mean, they, they, they've... I don't know what kind of shuffling has taken place here to get this order. Well,
2: that, there may be some shuffling. Who knows? We, we, because we, uh, no, num,
0: number three is Joni Mitchell's Blue. Number four is Last Demon Wonder, it. Songs in the Key of Life, Abbey Road, Nirvana, Nevermind, number six, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Rumours, number seven, Prince, Purple Rain, number eight, Bob Dylan Blood on the Tracks, number nine, number 10 is Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Number 11, Revolver... Just to be fair, is a good, very good record. OK. But is it a better record than The Revolver or The Beatles? Oh, no, no but that, it,
2: it, it's what, what, what can you say? It just doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make okay. any sense at all. I keep okay. going.
0: 12, 12 is Thriller. Number 13, Aretha Franklin, uh, Never Loved a Man. Number 14, Exile on Main Street. Number 15, Public Enemy, Takes a Nation of Millions. Number 16, The Clash London Calling, Kanye West. See, yeah, oh,
2: th- Clash London Calling. <laughs> See, that's interesting. Now, that's a great record, but that is a sprawling... Unfocused to some extent. Triple album? No, it's, it's not triple. No, the standing Easter is triple. Oh, which is Sorry, it's a Sunday double, L- double is album. Two. isn't it? It yeah. Is so, but duking it out with with big, highly focused hit machines like it, um you know, like like Rumours and uh, and Thriller. But anyway, so go
0: on. It goes. It goes on. It goes on. You know, and then you get you know, I don't know. You get uh, Sergeant Pepper makes it number twenty four. Carol King's Tapestry, number five, just one (laughs) one place above Patti Smith's horses. Uh, And 27, Wu-Tang Clan, Enter the Uh, Wu-Tang. D'Angelo Voodoo is is number 28, which is a really good record. Uh, The Beatles' White Album, but it's slightly one above the Beatles' White Album. (coughs) One above uh, Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? Number 31, out of nowhere, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue. Suddenly... (laughs) suddenly appears
2: oh hello jazz you jazz know what it, so okay. that's the thing is that, that jazz isn't very broadly represent, represented is it i mean uh, is songs for swinging lovers in there i don't think it's in there is it in there no no
1: no, at no, all. no none no. of those no,
2: it's just one mile service
1: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: record it's kind of blue and that's above beyonce's lemonade and uh emmy Winehouse back to black anyway the um the points that struck me when i went through the top 50 how many of the top 50 would you say were from the 80s um
2: well
0: i'm going to tell you probably quite a lot no
2: very few no. okay
0: only six because okay. What's happened in their kind of recasting of the past? They've gone, 60s are all right, 70s are all right, more recent stuff's all right. But the 80s is an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. We've kind of decided we're not happy with that at all. There's whole areas of this are just kind of excluded. You know, there's no, at the top 50, there's not a Led Zeppelin record. no, no, we don't think there is. No. There's no hard rock. There's no heavy metal. There's no There's no dance music. There's no electronic music. There's no craft
2: work or anything like that. You know? the craft work not appearing. There must be in the top. They're not the top 50, are they? Right? No,
0: they're not in the top 50. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There may, well may well be further down. There's no kind of, I don't know, Pet Shop Boys or New Order or anything like that. Talking heads get in here, I think. They're in there somewhere, yeah. They're just about. um main in light, I think, is in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh and it, it just that's why I come back to this point. It it's it's the it's the attempt to kind of stand hip hop up against classic rock and say this this is one is worth as much as the other. And uh you know, all that I think that does is 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 draw your attention to the fact that mostly hip hop doesn't make LPs, largely speaking. You know, it's not about sustained experiences. I'm not even sure that rock is anymore, but there was a time that it was. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, and this this strikes me as a list put together by people who just want just
2: wanted to look right. Rather than, but ca- that's something to do with the fact that a lot of those are rock critics. What you were saying earlier, they're they're they're, they're achingly fashionable choices, aren't they? <laughs> Incredibly voguish. But I mean, you, you know, there's a counter argument that the, the, the point of this, apart from obviously promoting Rolling Stone, which is fair enough, we've all done it on magazines that we've worked for, and we've all had our own greatest hits on whatever it was, or Q or whatever. But, I mean, the point of it is to encourage people to talk about, to 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 get involved in the debate and to listen to new music. And if you approach that and thought, "I've never heard," in the unlikely event, um, you know, this particular area of singer-songwriters and Joni Mitchell's record "Blue" is meant to be the third greatest ever made, I must go and hear it. You know, if you thought, "I've got to try some hip hop album," then presumably it takes a nation of millions by Public Enemy. The fact that it rates so highly in this is uh, is uh, an encouragement to go and check it out, isn't it? I mean. You know, the, I suppose, I'll tell you
0: the other thing that struck me looking at it. I don't, if you, I don't know if you look, you know, most people look at these things online, obviously, nowadays. Um, you know, as opposed to in print. And if you go and look at this on, online, on the Rolling Stone site, it's really interesting. Because looking at a list of the 50 greatest albums of all time or the 200 albums of all time or whatever, in print was a pleasure because it lent itself to print, which is turn the page and I could see. I couldn't it. agree
2: more. I looked, I because looked at it, it online. I can and see
0: 20 you, or 40. Looking you've got to at the next slide and then the, avoid all the
2: ads, and oh, it's just a nightmare.
0: It's the most agonizing experience. It's
2: it's it so annoying. And well, you well, also can't go back and see what full was full of ads. You can't see it. You think, okay, that's number 48. What was 45 again? Oh god, I've got to go back, I'm gonna have these ads. It's it's just ponderous and cumbersome. it's just it's terrible. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, the internet doesn't do those kind of things well. It doesn't print and paper does them really, really <laughs> well, Because you can constantly compare it to what you want to do. Yeah, and uh, you know, they, they ought to it's I mean it's a curiously old-fashioned thing to yeah.
2: do. Is to do this so kind the, of list. Another issue is Not. that that. Uh, there is at least, well, there must be more than one, but there's at least one compilation album. So Legend by Bob Marley. Which is the greatest hits. Which is his greatest hits. I mean, obviously, it's a fantastic record. (laughs) And you could argue that you're recommending the greatest records ever made, and therefore somehow this is, because it contains this extraordinary collection of songs, It constitutes his his greatest work. But, I mean, you're not comparing that with a self-contained, you know, (laughs) Artistic statement like an album, like, for example, like, like the live
0: album by, by, by Bob Marley. Well, you know, if, if, you're gonna, if, you, if you're gonna have Bob Marley's legend, have Smokey Robinson and the Miracle's greatest hits. You know, have yeah. loads of people's greatest hits who made, you know, Phil Spector's greatest hits, whatever. You know, they, they've got as much right to be there as, as Bob Marley. It's yeah. just basically they think, well, we've got to get Bob Marley in. How are we going to do it? And, and, of course, they don't know enough about Bob Marley albums to realise that quite a few Bob Marley records are really, really good LPs. Incredible LPs. <laughs> but, you know, they just think, oh, OK. Kaya, excellent. The live album is
2: absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it's a ridiculous.
0: Oh, I'll tell you the other thing that, that I found interesting in my, um, my survey of the top 50 is how American it is, obviously, It's really interesting if you look at lists from american publications generally when you start going down the list i did the same thing with the uh, with the american film institute uh list of american greatest films i thought are these all american this they seem to be all american and then you get you get an english one or a french one or whatever comes in later on but how many of the top 50 are from the uk in the last 20 years 20 years mark 20 years quite a long time how many are from the uk i'll tell you two okay they are amy winehouse <coughs> and uh, and one radiohead record which just about sneaks in because it came out in the it year a, that's right yeah, yeah it was out in the year 2000 so that is kind of like saying you know well we're really not interested in music from overseas anymore, and,
2: and it's, which is probably the case so Pet Shop Boys, New Order, or they must be in there somewhere, aren't they? Well, I'm looking at the top
0: 50. Well, Roxy Music wouldn't be. I mean, Roxy Music was a kind of flop in America at first time. Yeah. I mean, the, the highest David Bowie record on here is, in the top 50 is, is, um, is Ziggy Stardust, number, which is number 40. Uh, so, you know, all that stuff doesn't matter at all. So, you incredible know, it's, like, yeah, it's Incredible American bias. It's incredible American bias. That's <laughs> outrageous, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, what, what's the point to get talked about? The point
2: I, is to get... <laughs> I know there's been a lot of debate about it, and it, that's the point of these things. They're there to wind you up, and they succeed, you know. I mean, yeah. if it could get you, point you in the direction of listening to something you never heard before, uh, all well and good. But I, I do agree with you that the fundamental... The fundamental idea of that now seems less and less sound with every passing year, because of the variety of stuff that you're having to compare. It does, and, and also it's it's not an original idea anymore. You know, it's not it's not as exciting. And you know, when these things first happened, they were really thrilling. They were I can remember they, they, some Q magazine. we loved
0: it. Well, they were, but I suppose it was because you were more likely to have heard more of them, and therefore you had views on on them. You know, whereas the likelihood of, of the same people having heard a large proportion of these it it's pretty uh, you know it's not very likely is it really that you would have have heard you know i don't know, blonde on blonde and also kendrick lamar the
2: tribe I, I, quest i think it?
0: there are very few people that, you know i mean yeah. and there there will be rock critics mainly the ones who who've heard both of them you know yeah. but um it's extraordinary. So I mean you think about the list that did that did um you know that were kind of interesting and exciting. We'll do you remember that Elvis Costello
2: list? I remember that vividly. I thought that was fantastic. And the reason I like the Elvis Costello He did a list in Vanity Fair, was and he did It was in Vanity Fair and he did it about oh, I can't remember how long ago it wasn't it. But he had um yeah, you know, he had the Bee Gees and abba and Chet Baker and Jeff Buckley and Ray Charles and Grandmaster Flash, Elgar, so there's classical music in there too. There's Georgie Fan, Madness, Pulp, New York Dolls, you know. And the reason that worked for me was entirely because I feel I connect with Elvis and I'm sure you feel the same. I kind of understand where he's coming from aesthetically. Um, And therefore, whatever he likes, based on the songs he wrote himself and and the kind of person he is, you know, I, I, I tend to take that opinion very seriously. Yeah. I thought that was really useful. I felt the same a bit about the Dave Marsh, Thousand and One. Yes. Single. Remember which that? Is, Dave Marsh, well, yeah.
0: He wrote a book, which I, is one of the great books called The Heart, Heart of Rock and Soul, I think it was called. Yeah. And it was the thousand, thousand and One Greatest Singles Ever Made. And he writes, you know, quite lengthily about each of these singles.
2: But also it's easier to compare singles, because they're all a little three to four minute Treatment yeah. of intent, aren't they? That, yeah. that they're all in the same idiom, and uh, and also this was nineteen sixty nine, I think it was, and he was. Uh, what was his? Favorite? I've scribbled something down. here. heard no. through the grapevine. Oh Mind no, market. it's published.
0: It's published, um, it, it published it in the eighties or nineties or whatever. But um, yeah, his his greatest single was heard it through the grapevine. Um, It'd be good in the
2: second, wasn't it? Public got a brand new bag. James Brown was third. Four Tops fourth. Righteous Brothers fifth and the Stones' satisfaction six i mean i yeah i, I found that really compelling I it was brilliant but elvis was fantastic absolutely fantastic and the fact that he combined such a variety of stuff there was there was old music hall in there yeah,
0: there? yeah. There was
2: loads of country yeah. western there was tons yeah. of soul music there was folk music he likes absolutely everything and loads of classical which i found really interesting because that's the stuff i need some you know directional no
0: it's the appeal of a of an individual rather than um a committee <laughs> yeah which is which is effectively what you got with with rolling stone or any of these things you know it's uh it, it it's anybody who cares enough to have written down and he wrote down quite a lot i can't remember how many there were it might be 200 there was a lot it was a big big old thing wasn't it that he wrote Five hundred was it okay. five hundred? Five hundred albums. Yeah, and uh, you can get them online, they're all there alphabetically. It's pretty okay, cool. right. And um anybody bothered enough to do that had something worth saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um and uh, he he definitely did, and I hardly recommend that to anybody. But you know, it's just funny how these um how kind of recommendation works, you know, that I've always thought that you you, you the recommendations you take most seriously are from the people who recommend things most sparingly rather than the people who do loads all the time, you know. Whereas, you know, if I turn on, you know, the radio, there will be a radio professional whose job it is to pretend that every week there are three amazing albums and therefore you won't take any notes of any of them because they're doing that absolutely all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly the same
2: with the film critics.
0: Whereas the person really. who does it very occasionally, you take that seriously. You know, It's really odd. How you but
2: also it's because they've, they've, they've had a lifetime to to live with those records and mull them over, and it's not an immediate reaction. It's, it's not kind of, this is out, and it's new, and it's exciting. It's just, I've lived with this. And,
0: uh... I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, there was an interesting case of this, and not in the area of music, only the other day, our old mate and colleague Jim Irvin, who's you know been on being our guest in Word in Your Attic, he just happened to to tweet. He said, "I've been I've been loving recently a French series called Call My Agent." Oh
2: yeah, you've been watching that. Yeah,
0: and I just thought, Jim says that. Okay, Jim doesn't say stuff like that all the time. I'll try that, and you know. And then there are millions of professionals all the time telling me to watch this telly or that telly. And I don't take any notice of them at all. Whereas Jim suddenly saying, this is really good. I thought I'm going to watch it. And it is really good. And I've really enjoyed it. You know, so I'm looking out for people who are not experts, actually, oddly enough, to recommend me things, you know, things that are slightly off the beaten track. That's how it works. It's a funny old business. The Word
1: Podcast, one of the few things you really need in life.
0: I was pleased to see that Michael Kuanuka won the Mercury Music Prize. Why not you? I don't normally applaud these things, uh, the winner of the Mercury Music Prize, but I was pleased.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's just a really good record, isn't it? And he's made, it made some really interesting records. I mean, just just big. And it, it's kind of mass appeal. People our age love it. You know, any age people love it. It's, it's soul. It's, it's psychedelic rock. It's gospel all bits of samples. It's good. I saw him on Jules Holland the other night. and He played that that track, Hero, which of course sounds extraordinarily like um, Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. It's the same chord sequence. So it seems kind of familiar, but it's it's kind of different and contemporary. Yeah, I thought it was it's terrific.
0: It's difficult, isn't it? With the th- with the thing like the any kind of prize, jury-donated prize like that, jury-awarded prize like that, that that they're kind of caught between uh, wanting to recognise the kind of uh, the adventurous, but also at the same time, they really want the people who only buy one record a year or or stream one record a year or whatever to like it, whatever happens to be the winner. And I would have thought in that case, they would like it if somebody said to you, "This has been, you know, voted the best new UK LP of the year." You'd you, you'd buy that quite happily, you, wouldn't you? Really, buy it and you'd really like it, exactly. You'd, yeah, you you might adore it, you might, but you know, but you wouldn't feel that you've been kind of, you know, you've been cheated or anything like that. It's funny. I was looking at um, uh, the previous win- winners of the Mercury Music Prize, and obviously there have been cases where they've. Um,
2: I you thought know, there's been I thought
0: the hit rate was very, very good actually. Well don't I think you the Primal were, Scream won it, didn't they? Swayed. But that, that was early on. That was early yeah. on. And and you know, things like uh, Franz Ferdinand uh, and so forth, Arctic Monkeys. Ronnie's but, size. But yeah. then but then well you see that didn't do much, I don't think. Anthony and the Johnson's did that do much? Claxon's Missile. Good and record, Claxon's Good records, though. Okay. Really. Speech to Bell, uh, the XX, uh Elmo Alt J. <laughs> James Blake, Young Fathers, Benjamin Clementine. Uh, it's skeptic- the tail off a bit of Well, this is it. It's Sanford First to the right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think they'll be pleased to see that um, that it's something like this. Also, interestingly enough, because they presumably because they couldn't have an event of uh, under the current surges, and also I don't think it's I don't think it's historically been the easiest thing to place on television. You know, it's moved them out between Channel Four and ITV and all kinds of things. They ended up announcing the winner on the one show, didn't they? Which, That's right. Which was through, uh, brought it to the attention of a far wider audience than. I thought it was a good ruse. <laughs> no, That's absolutely. That's probably not their first choice, but it's worked out. Oh, really Oh, you got well. millions of people watching. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, huge numbers. Um, no, it's there was funny. an event on the Booker Prize, wasn't there recently? Was it Lee Child was uh, No, this is... know into- they, they, no, the Booker Prize, they, they've just announced a shortlist. And, I, you know, I think the Booker Prize kind of lost its way the last few years. I personally don't see why they admitted American novels in there at all, for God's sake. You know, it used to be... used to be U.K. and Commonwealth. Didn't it? I think that's how it was. But anyway, I can't see the point, but they've done that. And, um... And, uh, they, they, there's obviously been some attempt to bring it back into line this year because among the jurors was best-selling thriller author Lee Child. It was... I heard him interviewed on, on Times Radio where he said he, his job was to make sure no shit got through. The implication <laughs> there being... <laughs> that they In the past, it. there's been some mistakes. I think it's a real issue with that sort of stuff, you know, because it kind of supposedly you know, um, recognises, I suppose, what you call literary fiction. Isn't that what they call it nowadays? Um, And, you know, so it's kind of fairly serious stuff and so forth. And so if you're only going to buy one book of that kind of year, it's best that it be something that you can read that you can probably get to the end of you know i think that's that's a good thing if if it's done that you know yeah. call call me uh call me timid you know but i think that that's no bad objective and so i haven't read any of the ones on the on the shortlist this year uh, but having heard lee child's recommendation <laughs> i might well i might well do so this year because a couple of years ago, I firm did. hand
2: on the tiller. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, yeah, a couple yeah. A couple of years ago, when they, they recommended when the winner was Lincoln and the Bardo, and I thought, oh, I really, really like that, and I, I bought it, and I, I just, I, I, about four chapters in, I thought I can't deal with this at all, and I tweeted to the effect that I can't deal with this. You know, I read a lot of books, and various people, you know, chimed in saying I couldn't read it either. And I thought, if you've awarded the prize to the people, to to a book where the people who, who are your, your intended buyers go in there and, you know, and stagger back in amazement at how difficult it is so to read. So you mean just stylistically got,
2: it was too difficult to read? I just couldn't
0: read it. I could not read it. Couldn't understand what was going on. And, uh, you know, if I'm not the only person who felt like that, you've probably gone wrong and prizes, you were all... Completely. I don't know. But um, so it'd be interesting to see who comes out as the winner of that. Um, what have you been reading recently?
2: Well, no challenging works of fiction, actually. To be honest, the last thing, what well, I things I'm in the middle of right now is a, is a new book by Dylan Jones, which we're going to feature on the podcast, actually, on October the 6th, which is about the New Romantics, which is such a good idea. It's, right. a, it's a really good idea to write a book. It's a fascinating story. You know, and he goes right back and looks at the whole horror where it all comes from, and it's bowling and it's, you know, it's 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 um, it's Grace Jones, and it's it's craft work on Tomorrow's World, and it's uh, Saturday Night Fever, and uh, you know all the all the all the elements that go into the pot, but, and and the whole thing about the punk rock explosion and the way. The
0: so it's bas- It's basically. Absolutely all the stuff that's not reflected in Rolling Stone's Top 500. Completely.
2: Albums. It's entirely about the 80s. It's an antidote.
0: It's yeah. an antidote to that. Okay. So that's to look forward to. Uh, so we're talking to Dylan on uh, October the 6th, is Sixth, that right? I think it is. That uh, looks so, yeah. And so if you're a Patreon supporter, you get an opportunity to be, as we say, in the room. In the room as the conversation happens and everybody else has to wait until it's out there as a podcast in due course. Stay tuned.
1: This podcast was brought to you by the word. (laughs)